It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. So happy you could be here today. Week of Christmas fast approaching, and hopefully you've gotten all of your holiday shopping done. If not, well, I'm sorry that you're running around to the store right now trying to find that gift for that person. If you haven't been following along on the Twitter, you can follow me at wonderful underscore radio, a good way to stay in touch and aware of this show. Another great way to stay up to date on this show is to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening right now. If you enjoy the show, uh, you definitely want to subscribe. Don't miss an episode. Uh, Very exciting show today. A lot to get to since the last time we spoke. Spider-Man No Way Home has come out, has shattered box office records, not just pandemic era box office, but box office in general, which makes it even more impressive during this pandemic era. But I got some thoughts on that. Going to do a review of the movie, a non-spoiler one, but probably going to be switching up the show a little bit because I am going to go into heavy spoiler conversation towards the end and really a safe bet is that this show is going to be a big spider-man heavy show that's it's that time of the year it's the holidays uh you know and and as far as entertainment goes it's it's a it's a dull time and it's just a dull time in general when it comes to the news cycle because we're rounding out the year we're rounding out everything uh and yes covid times have made it weird where you know this spider-man movie we would definitely have gotten in the middle of the summer for blockbusters ends up being a Christmas film release along with the matrix along with sing Two. Uh, sing Two makes sense in its release date but even like the matrix you would have figured that would have gotten some type of may or summertime release it's a blockbuster film but here we are uh in in a weird phase but a lot of spider-man talk today but there are some other things to get to now uh, I'm gonna save I guess, you know what, let's do the non-spoiler Spider-Man talk, because this is usually the portion I kick off the show with the, hey, what you've been watching, what what you've been catching up on, checking out new things, and uh, for me, before I get into Spider-Man, the thing that I have finally caught up on uh, actually was texting my buddy Review at Rob at the Review at Rob show about it, and that is I finally got to finish the Chucky TV series season one and non-spoiler conversation on that that's one heck of a show man it was really well done i liked what they did with the character i told rob that it's given me uh, a greater appreciation for chucky not that i never liked that character but i always just if, if i was to do a ranking of the chucky films child's play is incredible i i showed it to my girlfriend with no hesitation thinking she was going to be like, yeah, but isn't this just the wisecracking doll movie? And she loved it. She was really into it. Child's Play 2, I think, is wonderful. It's clearly a sequel that's made out of, well, we had success with this film, let's do it again. But they're able to expand the mythos and expand the characters in the sequel. Then you get to Child's Play 3, and that exists. And that's there. And that really doesn't do much of anything for anybody, really. Uh, I'm sorry. It's it's just 
a retread of what's been done twice, nothing new really added, except we put it at a military academy. Cool. Then the franchise takes that weird turn, and you got to kind of be on board with it. But Bride of Chucky is really funny and really clever, and I think has a weird connection to the success of Scream, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later on because we're going to do a little way back Wednesday here, jump into the DeLorean, head back in time and look at some of the highlights from this past week and uh, some things we celebrated and Scream on the docket for that. But I think take some cues from Scream in becoming a little more meta, a little more self-aware and leans more comedy-wise while also being that scary movie but starts to dip its toes into the comedy and then you get Seed of Chucky, which is just f- full-blown camp. Like, it is camp. Uh, it's it's not great camp. I have a special place in my heart for it because the first time I ever uh, I ever kissed a girl or had a make-out session, a made-out session, a make-out session was a date night in high school taking my date to see Bride of Chucky. It was a double date. Me and a friend. I picked the movie. The girls came along. But apparently, Seed of Chucky, Glenda man. Glenda really, I guess, did the trick for our girlfriends at the time because we we ended up having that, you know, high school date night makeout session. And that was my first kiss night. So, yeah. Really like a weird connection to seed that gives me some enjoyment out of it but i understand it's 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 not great camp but then the franchise again kind of circles back where it really finds the balance when they start when when they do the it's a shame that they were video releases but when they uh do the uh cult of chucky and all that stuff like when they come back with the next two movies they are funny in the way that bride and seed were but also scary in the way that one and two were and just kind of excluding the stuff from three. And that's where it led into this television show. And I think the TV show found that great balance again at, at times it did lean a little bit into the camp. There's, there's one scene in particular uh, in the penultimate episode that I text Rob and I was like, it, it had me laughing, but it was a little ridiculous and it was just simply Chucky going, wee, and like the cut into that. So there's still camp in there, but the balance is right. The show is really fun. There is a, a, a kill per episode that equals or might surpass anything you get in the movies. So definitely uh, enjoyed season one of Chucky. Curious where season two goes. The door is definitely open to bring back more original characters, which I liked that about the show as well. It gave us a chance to continue going deeper into, uh, one, the lore of Chucky, two, the mythos of him, three, just kind of uh, progressing the story forward, but also circling back with our legacy characters and getting them involved, and now moving forward with certain legacy characters and then other ones that could come back in. I, I I would love to see Catherine Heigl come back at some point since she was in Bride of Chucky, but she probably won't want anything to do with it, even the TV show. But yeah, the, the Chucky TV series, if you have seen 
all the movies in hell. Even if you haven't seen all the movies, you could probably jump into the show. They do a good job at reintroducing you to characters or introducing you the first time. Like for for certain viewers, it might be like, oh, where where'd this character come from? And they do a good job at reintroducing them. But there's also some deep cuts in there as well. So uh, big thumbs up to that Chucky TV series. Now, the other thing I've been watching, I said, is going to be a lot of the show today. Uh, We'll start right here with this. I'll give a quick non-spoiler. Try and keep this to about two minutes. Non-spoiler discussion about Spider-Man No Way Home, which as of right now, and this could be the fact that it is still, as of this moment, the last movie that I have seen in theaters, but to show what I feel about it. This so far is one of my favorite movies of the year. And I have now seen it three times in theaters since it has been released. Uh, As of this recording, I would absolutely not mind going back and watching it again and again and again. And having that regal pass definitely helps because being the regal crown club member, I get to just kind of, I, I give them the money each month and then I get to go see unlimited movies. So uh, I, I have made that crown pass. I've put that pass into overdrive since Ghostbusters and now uh, Spider-Man has come out. But yeah, I think Spider-Man was uh, a well-done third film in a franchise that has only had one third film in Spider-Man 3 that is not as bad as people claim, but is definitely a jumbled film. Uh, obviously, the Amazing Spider-Man films never even got to a third one, despite being profits at the box office. But this one, the third film in the MCU Spider-Man films, uh, understands the subject and understands what we love and what makes Peter Parker slash Spider-Man such an endearing character, such a lovable character, and keeps that at its core through the course of a gorgeously shot movie that gives fan service, you know, that's not a secret with the villains, and but is able to give a bit of that fan service by bring, bringing back the Alfred Molinas as Doc Ock, the William Defoe uh, as the Goblin, you know, the stuff that we all saw in the trailer, while also uh, really doing a good job at, at expanding on those characters, which you didn't think is possible, but they're able to do that. They're they're able to do things that you didn't think they could pull off and really expand the MCU, but also conclude this trilogy of Tom Holland's version of the MCU Spider-Man, of his three films. It it has an absolute satisfying circle from the first movie to the second, all the way through this third film. It, it just it's it's a movie that has paced extremely well. It is one of the longer Marvel films, but it is definitely paced uh, to a point where you don't feel like you've been there for that length of time. And and it really does fly by because you are having so much fun with this movie, with these characters. Uh, and yeah, I think that this is, as of right now, this is definitely sitting uh, near the top of my list, if not at the top of my list, for best films of the year. I've seen some of the hate against it and I kind of, I, I, I don't even know where that's coming from. Uh, the people that do the, it's, it's not the best Spider-Man movie, you know, listen, it's, 
Sure, whatever. Say whatever you want. It's definitely up there as one of the best Spider-Man movie that they have done. And really for being the third film, uh, it's it's impressive how it feels like each one has gotten better and better. But yeah, this 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 one, No Way Home, worth a check out if you have not seen it yet. Uh, that, you know, that doesn't really spoil much for you. But yeah, we'll get deeper into the conversation in a little bit because there is a lot to dive into when it comes to Spider-Man. But uh, that's the non-spoiler review. Go out, see it if you haven't. It absolutely gets two thumbs up from me. Five out of five meatballs, whatever whatever number you want to throw to it. This is a good movie, uh, well-told story that really does conclude uh, a, a good trilogy for Tom Holland, uh, Zendaya, and, and the rest of the team there. And uh, very exciting to see what comes next with that franchise, with Spider-Man, with the MCU. Uh, and I guess we'll get a couple more answers. I haven't gotten a chance to watch Hawkeye, but I guess we'll get some more answers uh, with the finale of Hawkeye coming out today. Uh, I'll watch that later, but um, maybe there's some stuff in there that also indicates where we could be going uh, in the near future. So moving on from that, before we get into all the Spider-Man spoiler discussions and things like that uh quick little news and notes ahead of the season four premiere of cobra kai which is going to be on new year's eve uh news has broke from the creators that they have wrapped filming on season five so it's official uh season five is already wrapped which means that's going into post-production real soon so uh, hopefully we get to see that sooner than later but uh, nice to know that the story is continuing on after uh, New Year's Eve's drop of season five. I, I mean, we already knew season five was coming, but to see that season five is already wrapped uh, and the indication as well from them isn't that it's the conclusion of the series that there could at least be one more. So I expect some more news to come from Netflix uh, really soon. Uh, some of the other news and notes, taking a peek at my list here. Uh, yeah, not really much else happening. It's it's a lot of uh, all the other articles I have here are Spider-Man ones. So, uh, but before we get to again back into all the Spider-Man talk, let's uh, let's do a look back. I mentioned Scream a moment ago, uh, and Scream this past week actually just two days ago. That's if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, but let's for safety purposes for anybody that's listening after its release date, uh, Monday, December twentieth, mark the twenty fifth anniversary of the movie scream hitting theaters uh and what a moment that was in cinema and what a moment that was for scary movie fans i remember and can recall going to see this film in theaters when it opened that weekend with my father now you might be like wait a minute how old were you yeah i was only nine in theaters when this movie came out. Actually, it might have been like eight. No, no, no. I had just turned nine. Yeah, I had just turned nine. So, uh, yeah, this film came out. I had turned nine. Uh, I was nine. And I remember how terrified I was from this movie. I remember how scared I was, but yet how funny this film was. Even at nine years old, I realized how funny it was because I had watched scary movies before seeing that film. I mean... Who hadn't? But I didn't have the depth and the knowledge that I have now. The older I've gotten, the more 
you know, the more I realize what a true deconstruction of the genre it was. But I remember laughing a lot more than you typically do at a scary movie. Because every movie, no matter what movie it is, every movie's got some comedy bits in it. You have to have a little bit of levity. You have to have comedy. It's all about that balance. But I remember Scream really just being a, a this fun film. And and at the time, you I guess you consider it the modern version of what Deadpool was, right? Because it was aware of what it was. It was aware you, the audience, were aware of what it was. And it constantly winked and spoke to you in the audience. That's what made it so amazing when it came out. Because, you know, by that point, you know, we're, we're on what? Jason 9 or whatever it is? eight you know we've reached a point where in the friday the 13th franchise it's turned into uh telepathic battles you know nightmare on elm street as much as freddy krueger is my favorite horror movie icon it doesn't change the fact that nightmare on elm street 2 not a great film nightmare on elm street 4 not a great film nightmare 5 not a great film nightmare 6 i don't know what the hell's happening there <laughs> I just know that Freddy Krueger is the only person in the world that ever had the Nintendo glove, uh, had a working glove. So, you know, whatever. But either way, the slasher franchise had become this really predictable thing. And then Scream comes along and just changed the game. So much so that despite scream coming out and being like that Deadpool where it's like yeah you're gonna say you go up the stairs when you should go out the door yeah don't have sex and all this stuff laying it all out there it didn't really fully change the game the way everybody claims it gave rebirth to modernized scary movies but you saw some of the films come out and try to mimic it but they never truly changed the formula they just were like Here's the same formula. Oh, yeah. And Scream existed. Uh, so, you know, it. like in a way. So in ways, I don't feel like it did change the game, because when you really look at these types of movies all these years later, the formula is still the same. But at, at the end of the day, I'm sure you're probably screaming and you're like, yeah, the formula of the comic book movie you're going to talk about here in a few moments is very similar to every comic book movie or you know, these tropes, these styles, this is how you tell this story. It's certain stories follow certain styles of of the arc, the circle, the storytelling, all that stuff. I get that. But I feel like there's a bit of love that goes to Scream and not, this is not a bash, but this idea that it completely changed the scary movie genre. It didn't. It just was the Deadpool version of that, 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 that wink and nod of we're doing the thing that, you know, we're going to do, but we're doing it differently. And then everybody else after that came along and attempted it, but just fell back into the pattern of what works. Not a bad thing because it brought the slasher genre back, which gave us, you know, Jason going to space. But even at that point, it's still the same formula. Not much changed. Scream, though, just... Uh, it, it, but but to get back on track to show Scream some love here, uh, Scream really was a game changer in the sense, though, of giving prestige to a genre that is always looked down on. People 
walked out of that and the people that didn't have an appreciation for scary movies, that don't like that type of stuff, walked away shocked and surprised and blown away by it to the point where even though it was a film that was poking fun at, uh, you know, the idea of those nightmares and and all the other ones where you follow the same formula, you come back, you do it again because you made money, you follow the formula, come back, do it again, you make money, you keep doing it. Scream eventually has gone that route, but don't get me wrong, it doesn't change the fact that the new Scream movie coming out in January, I already have my tickets opening night, me and the lady going to be there for a seven o'clock screening. You know, it doesn't change the fact that that's a thing that's happening. But it's a franchise that you expect more from, I guess, than that of, say, The Nightmare on Elm Street. And that's my, you know, again, circling back, Freddy is my icon that I look at and I love. I love, I don't know what it, I know what it is. The things that make me love Freddy are, even in the bad movies, as as I've told people before, even the lowest of the low of the Freddy Krueger franchise, whichever one you tell me is the worst, I can still tell you an unbelievably cool creative death or multiple deaths that that movie gave you. Because no matter how bad the story got, at least the kills were cool. And I know that's bad to say because it's not why you should be watching these movies, but... Hell, that's eventually the longer these franchises go along. And here's where Scream remains a, little, a bit of a game changer, though. I mean, unless we want to get into the conversation of of the Billy crap and women thinking he's so hot and want to date him instead of realizing that he is like the definition of a red flag boyfriend. But, you know, that's a conversation for another day. The one thing with the Scream franchise, though, compared to that of like Friday or Chucky, or Freddy, or Leatherface, or any of them is, the longer they go on, the more we don't give a crap about the characters being tormented, and the more we side with the tormentor. In the Scream franchise, I don't feel like we've ever actually sided with the tormentors, again, unless you're one of those like, oh, Billy Loomis is the best boyfriend type. Uh, That's a whole other situation and a whole other problem in life but yeah uh i mean like i watched the nightmare films the first one is terrifying i'm rooting for the kids come part two you're starting to kind of wane from rooting for the kids and you start rooting for freddy come part three though you're still on that fence you're rooting for the kids but you're digging what freddy's doing that come part four you don't care about any of those kids or what happens. You're curious how Freddy's going to get them. And same thing becomes of the Friday the 13th films. By the time you get to like the third one and the fourth one, not the fifth one, just skip the fifth one, the sixth one, and so on. It's it's no longer about the kids surviving this stalker. It's about the stalker getting the kids and, you know, the final girl and this and that. Scream where I think they need to change things up is... Uh, I hate to say this, but I I think their final girl has gone on a little too long to the point where I don't feel that their legacy characters are at risk heading into certain movies. Because outside of taking uh, spoilers for Scream 2, uh, outside of taking out Jamie Kennedy's Randy in Scream 2, I can't think of 
another moment in that franchise where there was a character that I was truly invested in where I went, oh, they're not going to make it. Because I know even Scream 3 was like, everybody could die, including Sydney. I never really felt that was going to happen, though. Even watching that movie, despite that movie, listen, I'll, here's, a, here's a debate as well for you. Spider-Man 3 or Scream 3? Go. Which one's better? I'm always going to pick Spider-Man 3. Just telling you, I'll take Tobey Maguire freaking dancing, Venom dancing, uh, over the Scream 3 reveal, because it's just the most, come on. But either way, Scream getting uh, getting its 25th anniversary and the new film about to come. Uh, some cool stuff done as well by Paramount that uh, looked at the legacy, uh, dropping some videos as they're getting excited for the new movie coming out next month. And I'm really excited for it as well. It's less than a month away. So, uh, yeah, definitely going to have to, I'm going to have to put, uh, the girlfriend through a scream movie marathon real soon, uh, because we did not get to do the Spider-Man movie marathon that I was hoping to do before no way home. And speaking of that, Hey, let's get into it now. Let's get into the spoiler conversation of Spider-Man No Way Home. So again, uh, throwing it out there, if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, if you have not read anything about it, if you do not want to know spoiler situations, stop listening right now. Go see the movie. Then come back and then listen to this and then share your takes, your thoughts with me. Uh, on Twitter at wonderful underscore radio. So, all right, the warning's out there. You know, I've been stalling. I've been giving you plenty of time to pause this. Let's get into it. Spider-Man, No Way Home, spoiler conversation in three, two, one. All right, so Spider-Man, No Way Home is here. It is the biggest movie of the year, biggest movie of the pandemic, second biggest movie of all time, opening wise, uh, has made more money, made more money this past Monday than most films make in a weekend. Uh, I think Monday it already made more than West Side Story has even made. So, you know, just to give you perspective of how big this movie is, uh, really to me also showing that uh, people like Martin Scorsese, uh, and all the other ass clown directors out there that that have trashed comic book movies and more specifically the Marvel films and the MCU uh, should probably shut the hell up because if it wasn't for Spider-Man No Way Home or any of these other Marvel movies, I don't, they wouldn't be able to make their, you know, Ridley Scott wouldn't be able to make The Last Duel, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm loving that this movie is making so much money because as I mentioned last week with Paul Thomas Anderson, he said that he's a fan of these movies because people come out to see them and then he's proven right less than a week later when this film becomes one of the highest grossing movies uh, opening weekend wise of all time. It's showcasing that people in a pandemic are ready to run out and see a movie that they're invested in and what a movie they ran out to be invested in because... I, I again, I, I said this is a great movie as of right now. I've seen this film three times as of right now. I think this is my favorite movie of the year, but it really wasn't 
until I was in that theater watching this movie that I realized just how special of an occasion it was. My theater was a packed theater, which absolutely opening night plays into it. But having seen it two more times since then, not with the opening night packed crowd, I can tell you those theaters, uh, the Friday second showing at my local Regal was maybe slightly above halfway packed. Uh, And then last night when I got to see it on a Tuesday night, uh, it was about 35% the theater. So the Tuesday night reaction was a little bit less, but it was also a weird point in the day. I went to like a 3.30 showing of that. So, but again, Friday morning, a, a, a 10 50 showing had more than 50% of the audience and that was in the big, big theater. But either way, this film uh, massively making money, but that opening night crowd was rowdy, ready to go. Uh, But it was about halfway through this movie that I realized just how wonderful it was uh, and how magical it was. Kind of like a portal to another dimension had been opened. Uh, And it was when I realized that this film was the conclusion of a three film origin story it was when peter parker and all of the villains were in happy's house and everything went sideways and aunt may gave the with great power comes great responsibility which anybody that makes that comment in a spider-man movie or comic or anybody that tells spider-man that you know they're dead after that so once she said those words I will never forget it. The crowd popped and I got caught up in the pop of, oh, it's the line. But as I was giving the cheer during the great power comes a great response. And right when she got there, I was like, oh, shit, because that was the moment that I realized we had just watched Spider-Man becoming Spider-Man. We had just sat through two and a half films of this origin story before we got the thing that we never thought we were going to get because we just assumed it all happened prior to our introduction to Tom Holland's MCU Spider-Man in Civil War. We just, when we got introduced to him, he already had been bit. He already, there was no Uncle Ben. There was no this, there was no that. So we just assumed all these things had already happened. That speech the radioactive spider, all this stuff. All the things that we had seen twice already with Toby and with Andrew. That was where I realized, oh my God, this is what a rug pull in the sense that they took a slow burn to get us to this point. Also, perhaps the most emotional point of any of the Spider-Man movies and maybe any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films uh, because Tom Holland took that performance there with Marissa Tomei, the death sequence. And yes, I know I'm coming right out and talking about the big death of the movie, but it, it, that performance from Holland really took it to another level. It was it was a place that I had never seen this version of Spider-Man go. We, we, we saw it with Toby. We had seen it with Andrew, but we had never gotten to see this from... MCU Spider-Man, this level of loss, this level of balls to the wall acting that Tom Holland brought to that sequence. And it really hammers home 
what I mean by it was a slow burn origin story, because if you think about it, it, he never had stakes that high where he lost anybody that close. Again, we, we don't know what happened with Uncle Ben. And with the last shot of the movie, seeing May's grave, uh, there it wasn't next to an Uncle Ben. So I'm going to assume there never was one with this version of Spider-Man. And it was only his Aunt May and something happened to his parents that we don't know about. But none of the films prior to that, none of his experiences prior to that were anything... Uh, here's the thing. It's hard... It's really interesting to try and talk about this iteration of Spider-Man because of the MCU stuff. Because when I say he hasn't faced a massive threat, you're going to be like, but Thanos. And he got fucking wiped away and then came back and beat Thanos. That's a massive threat. Spider-Man individually has not faced a massive threat. I love Michael Keaton. I love that first movie, Homecoming. Thought Vulture was a well-done villain. But it's the Vulture. It's That's what it was wasn't like this was a really big oh god threat i mean remember the big moment the big tense moment of that was when they figured out when vulture figured out who peter parker was on the way to prom that was the big moment or not even prom the dance was it prom what the whatever the fucking dance was that was the big <gasps> but it wasn't a big oh no there's there's really something to worry about here then the second film is Gyllenhaal, whose obsession was Tony Stark made fun of me, so I want Tony Stark's drones, and I'm just a magician movie guy that knows how to do special effects. Like Again, not a huge threat. Then you get to this film, and as shown in the trailers, you know, you got the multiverse of villains from Doc Ock to... Uh, Sandman, Lizard, Electro, um, Green Goblin, you know, they're all there, the multiverse of villains, and some of the better ones that our other Spider-Man have faced before. So it's it, it, it brings in a level of, okay, these are some more intense ones, but... Uh, I do want to give the movie credit because it realizes that one of Spider-Man's best villains is that of Sam Raimi's Green Goblin, William Defoe, and the way that he brings that character to life and always had because he was a hell of a villain in the first Spider-Man movie. You really thought, you you really felt that he would and could at any point in time really put Peter's life in jeopardy, the people he loved in jeopardy. There were actual stakes there. Fast forward to this film, they realize Goblin's the best villain and they make the stakes high. And the stakes finally are high enough for Peter that his balancing act, his trying to do good, his inner fight has now led to the death of his Aunt May. Completing that origin story of this is fun. I'm a hero. There's no real consequences to there are consequences to my life and my actions, which leads to a great ending as well. When he, they erase, you know, when strange finally does cast the spell erases everybody's memory of Peter Parker, not Peter Parker as Spider-Man, but Peter Parker as a person. 
And a great moment, I think, is the moment where he goes to reconnect with MJ and Ned and attempt to spark their brains. And when he's about to say something to MJ, he sees the damage, the the cut healing on her head with the Band-Aid from, from the battle at the Statue of Liberty. Much better battle at the Statue of Liberty than that of X-Men. Uh, but his realization there of, that's right, there are consequences to the people that know me uh, and and what my life is. So I have to continue on as uh, alone as Peter Parker here and 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 just go about being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh, because it's not in the cards right now for this and and it's it's dangerous. Uh, so yeah, I, I I love that. but yeah, seeing this completion of that origin story uh, with the Aunt May thing, it's it's really wow, holy crap. Just really well done and uh, unbelievable to think that that's kind of the journey we've been on. Uh, now, some other really cool things about this movie. You got to talk about it. We got to get into it. Uh, it's not just that the multiverse has been open, uh, which I'll talk about the multiverse in a second, but it's also that you forget before we even get to Doc Ock and all of these uh, Electro and Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina and William Defoe and all these great actors that have portrayed Spider-Man villain before you forget that very early on in this movie, Matt Murdock makes an appearance. Daredevil himself is in this movie folding in uh, and the continuation of folding in since Hawkeye episode five as well of the Netflix shows and bringing these characters back in, which is really, really cool. Uh, So kudos to them for that. But uh, back to the multiverse stuff, not only is the multiverse open, in this movie, but uh, the long rumored, but denied heavily by Andrew Garfield. But the long rumors were true that we did not just get one Spider-Man or two Spider-Man, but we got all three of our Spider-Men in there in this film. And I think, again, going back to what I said in the non-spoiler stuff about the pacing of this film, I feel that this is where this movie really shines the most is we just went through this intense battle sequence, this intense heavy fight that a little ridiculous that they had this fight throughout this entire building and nobody else lived there apparently, but there's this fight in the building. We get the Aunt May death. We get the great power, great responsibility line. And we have just, been through the ringer at this point. I mean, my theater, everybody was crying, everybody was losing their mind, but we've been through the ringer at this point. And that's when we get Ned and MJ with the little Doctor Strange power because earlier on, uh, the mirror dimension fight was just holy crap between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, but he takes the box that could send all of the multi-verse visitors back to their earths to die at the hands of spider-man and in the battles with spider-man so he takes that box he takes the ring from dr strange ned puts it on and you find out that ned earlier makes a comment about how oh my my mom my grandma says that i have magic uh and he's able to start opening portals and they just want to see peter and they open the portal in comes peter in his spider-man outfit but it is of course not the Peter that we know in the MCU, but it is the amazing Spider-Man, Mr. Andrew Garfield. 
uh, then you get the, all right, well, he's, he's, he's Peter Parker. All right. But let's find, we just got to keep doing it until we find Peter. And then they pull in another Peter and it's our Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker. And it just continues snowballing from there with the, wow, we were at our lowest of lows and you pick us right back up by going, here are your other two versions, your other two iterations, your other two Spider-Men. And they're able to be there and 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 help our Peter in the realization of Aunt May's death. Yes, you want vengeance, but Aunt May's death is for a bigger picture here, informing him about their own experiences. Um, Toby bringing up Uncle Ben and how he wanted vengeance for the man that killed him. Got it. It didn't help finding out more about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man after losing Gwen in the second film and how he stopped pulling his punches and became vengeful and has been finding his way back from there and he doesn't want this this version of Peter to go down the vengeful path because of what happened. Uh, Just this passing of the baton that wasn't even so much of a passing of a baton, but it, it led to a moment that I might get choked up with it that hug that those three embrace at the end is just one of those things where at some point in time you were introduced to Spider-Man on the big screen. For me, Tobey Maguire. Doesn't mean I didn't see Andrew. I went and saw Andrews. I've seen Hollins as well. But for me, Tobey was Spider-Man. For another generation, their first time going to see Spider-Man on the big screen was Andrew Garfield. For another generation, it's Tom Holland. So for that all to come together, that was, and to see that three-way hug there, that was pretty awesome. Uh, but having them all share those moments and, and, and really that was some of the best parts about this movie as well was <laughs> the affection from one Spider-Man to the next, uh, you know, but just having the moment between McGuire and Garfield as well with the back. Oh, I'm starting. My back's hurting a little bit from all the swinging. Oh, you want me to crack it for you? And then he cracks it for him. Like, that was great. The conversation with some of your craziest villains. And, oh, I'm, I, I, oh, I fought a, a, a gooey black alien once. Oh, I fought an alien. Mine was purple and it was unearthing in space. And, oh, I just fought a guy in a rhino costume, a Russian in a rhino uh, outfit. And, like, so great so funny and just so much love and affection there and just it's it it was so well done and uh other things really loved about this Uh, again hammering back home the it's not easy being spider-man uh again he tom holland spider-man up to this point had never really faced anything like he faced here and with this being some of his greatest enemies from other Spider-Man iterations were was able to raise the stakes for him and and complete that journey uh but yeah just all around man this is this was a wonderful movie I'm gonna stop rambling and ranting because I feel like I've been rambling and ranting for a while and it's I could keep going on and on and on but I I really love this movie Uh, the cameos in it the connection with Daredevil, even though I didn't watch the Netflix series, but seeing him in there uh, and with Hawkeye, I'm, I, I now have viewing options on Netflix moving forward to catch up on that. Uh, as much as it sucked to see Aunt May go, and trust me, that theater 
Uh, there was some poor girl in the row behind us that when that happened, uh, she lost it. And then from that point moment on, uh, she absolutely lost it, which actually, okay, before I go, uh, the last thing I want to talk about really fast is how I think these movies um, do a, amazing, I'm, go, I'm you, no pun intended, but amazing job at uh, correcting the Andrew Garfield films and helping improve the Amazing Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, giving, we all kind of assumed if these characters appeared that that sequence in the trailer of MJ falling would be Andrew's moment. And for him to have that, 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 that was an acting toward a force just by using your face, which is why so many people have argued that he is their favorite version of Spider-Man. I don't even get mad about that as a Tobey Maguire guy. I don't because I get it. And that's one of those moments where I go, that's why I get why you like him as it because not to take away from Toby or Tom, but Andrew is one hell of an actor and what he brings to that character. And in that moment when he makes the save that he couldn't make, fuck me, man. Like, Oh, the face, the struggle, the pain, the happiness, the joy that's all in that face said it all. That was, and that was just, and that's what I mean by hell of a movie, hell of a good time. And just, I I, I can't say enough good things about it, man. Three times seeing it, all the tingles hit the same time on all the parts, Uh, even not knowing, you know, much about the daredevil thing, but I knew who the if he was like he, he, you weren't fooling me on that I just because I didn't watch the show uh, and the only reason I didn't watch the show is because for the longest time they told me that all that stuff didn't matter as far as the MCU goes so I so it always became a I will eventually watch this but as with a lot of things you say I will eventually watch it and in the world of content driven media 24 7 uh, yeah you you end up getting lost in all the crap Uh, And that's what happened with me. So that'll do it. Uh, I'm going to get on out of here. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your holidays. Uh, If you've seen Spider-Man, going to see it again. Enjoy that. If you're going to see The Matrix, enjoy that. If you're going to see Sing 2, enjoy that. If you're going to see The King's Man, enjoy that. Because I will be seeing all of those except one. And the one I will not be seeing is Sing 2 because I have not seen Sing 1. So, yeah. Peace and love. Merry Christmas, everybody. (laughs) 